Hi, my name is Dante, and I found Cornerstone for a very close friend of mine. My name is Kim Wallace, and I'm a member of Cornerstone. I've been attending Cornerstone for about a year and a half, and there were three Sundays in a month that they had kept saying the same message, don't just come and sit in the purple chair. And I kept hearing that, and I finally realized the third Sunday that they were talking to me. My name is Matt Robinson. Uh, I've been attending Cornerstone since uh, December 07. I uh, came to Cornerstone through uh, a friend of my wife's who invited us one day and uh, we've been there ever since. And I believe I found my purpose and I wanted to help other people find their purpose as well. And that is how I serve at Cornerstone. The reason I serve the way I do and the um, amount I do is because I believe that you will become what you surround yourself by and, and surrounding myself by Cornerstone is, is, has made a difference in my life. It was through worship at Cornerstone that I learned about the love of Christ and it was through worship at Cornerstone that I learned how to love as a Christian and how to grow. I would never miss a Sunday at Cornerstone. It's such an important part of my life. Hey, good morning. Hey, we're, uh, we're starting together a brand new series. It's called uh, Three to Be. And we've been telling you all along that uh, we are hoping that this conversation that you and I are gonna have for about the next five, six weeks together will change the culture uh, of our church together. But instead of telling you right out of the start right now what 3 to B is, because in essence, 3 to B, we think, is an answer. <clears throat> uh, it, it makes more sense for you to understand what the question was uh, in the first place. So we'll get there today. We'll get there through the entirety of this series. But I need us to have a conversation first. When we started Cornerstone uh, 14 years ago, Nobody, nobody had any idea that it was going to be this, that uh, this place was going to be filled uh, five services on a Sunday. Uh, next hour, we'll set up chairs back there in the vestibule to handle uh, overflow, that we'd have parking lots uh, that were overflowing and we were parking on gravel uh, behind the church, that literally thousands upon thousands of people would come to this place and figure out God uh, for the first time. I don't know if you get how remarkable that is. Every stat you get out there says that people who make a decision for God, more than 80 plus percent of them do that when they're children. You and I are watching literally hundreds upon hundreds of adults come in this room and make a decision for Christ every single year. It's just crazy. And no one, no one knew uh, that this is what it was going to be when we uh, started the place. You get, though, that in, matter of fact, let, let, let's, let's do this, just, just to give us a sense. How many people in the room would say, all right, uh, this is the place where I first figured out Jesus. I mean, I may have heard about him, I knew about him, I'd gone to church before, but this whole thing about it being a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, this whole idea of asking, this is where I first became a Christian. How many people would say, this is the place, Cornerstone is the place? Okay, keep your hands up. All right, how many people in this room would say, hey, you know what, I, uh, I maybe knew something about Jesus, I may have been a Christian before I came in the room, but I had an extended period of my life where I was just out of church, I was totally disengaged, and Cornerstone's been the coming back place for me. Raise up your hands keep them there, okay? How many people in this room would say, look, I may have been involved in church uh, for a, a long time, but the church I went to before coming to Cornerstone, uh, that church wasn't teaching scripture. For, I mean, I wasn't learning. I mean, I was going, I was attending, but I wasn't growing in my faith. This is where I really first started growing in my faith. How many people say that? Okay, so all of you that have your hands up, stand. Okay. 
So here's the moment. Look around the room and realize how many people, for the most part, this journey is relatively new. And all of a sudden, you start to realize the dynamic of this room. Let's go ahead and sit, guys, we sit down. Here's, my, here's our fear. Here's the caution of the morning. You and I run the risk that this incredible thing that is happening here, this wonder that people for the first time are coming to this place and connecting with God, that thousands upon thousands of people are here every Sunday. But we run the risk of being a mile wide. In other words, there's tons of people. But being an inch deep. That, that, that what right now is so wonderful and so spectacular actually ends up becoming the cause for which people would begin to mock Christ. That they would say, look, look, look. If, if, if that's what it means, if Cornerstone represents what it means to come to Jesus, I mean, I've seen your Christians. I mean, they all get excited about it, and I mean, they all, they all talk about how Jesus, but the change is only, and you and I run the risk of being a mile wide and an inch deep. That in our immaturity, this would be a place where people learn what it means to find Christ but never discover what it means to follow Christ. That got us asking. <laughs> that got us saying, how do, you, how, do you, how do you answer that? So there's a passage in Scripture I want us to go to this morning. It's in the book of Hebrews because there's a church in this passage that's dealing with this exact topic in their lives. And you and I have the opportunity to peek in and maybe get some answers. If you're not familiar with your Bible, if you go to the back and work to the left, you're going to find this book of Hebrews. Hebrews was written to the... <laughs> Hebrews. Okay? Which is another way of saying Jews. Okay? So, here, get the moment. So these people have already been religious before Jesus showed up on the scene. Matter of fact, the truth is they've already got the Old Testament. They, they're well-schooled, well-versed, got tons of information. If there's anybody in that early Christian church when Christianity is first taking off, when the thing is exploding and people are, if there's anybody in that early church who ought to be the ones who have this figured out because they came with all this background, all this knowledge, it's the Jewish converts, it's the Jewish believers who ought to be miles ahead of everybody else. Watch what happened. It's Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 11. Here's what it says. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time, and you've got to get this phrase, Though by this time, you saying, look, 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 you guys had a running start. You, you, this isn't all new. I mean, come on, you've been believers long enough by now. In fact, though by this time, you ought to be teachers. You, you, ought, to be, you ought to be helping us with all the babies. You ought, to be, you ought to be much further ahead of where you are. You, instead, need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk and not solid food. 
Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. He says, look, 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 this isn't an option. You can't, you can't opt to be a baby the rest of your life. And if, and if you've been a Christian this long, if you've been, and you're still on milk, you're still a baby, then you're not understanding the call. You, you, don't, you don't get what this is about. This isn't about just getting enough Jesus to rub on your life and make it a little bit better. This is about getting enough Jesus in your life that people see him when they look at you. And we're still doing milk. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. I'm watching TV the other day, and then they're, they're, they got this lady. She's breastfeeding her seven-year-old. Can, can, I just, can I just say this out loud? That's wrong, okay? That's just wrong. And, and here's what you and I know. Look, that's not the only issue. And the one I'm, I'm feeling sorry for the seven-year-old. I mean, I'm at, this, this kid's going to be 30 and absolutely not able to cross the street without holding someone's hand. Imagine, imagine a five-year-old. And, and people are picking it up and carrying the five-year-old around. And you go, what's going on? Oh, he was just too lazy to ever learn to walk. You know, he just figured in his head, I mean, I got all sorts of brothers and sisters and mom and dad, and they'll carry me. Why would I ever want to learn to walk? You and I would go, that's wrong. That's bad for you. That's bad, that's bad for everybody involved. What, 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 what if I came to you today and I said, look, taking pictures. <laughs> if that goes on the web, <laughs> didn't think of that before I did this. So, so what if I came to you and I said, look, 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 this whole potty training thing, too much work. And I, here's what I figured out. Look, look, I can put one of these babies on in the morning. Don't have to change it till night. <laughs> Get to avoid all the lines in the bathrooms. That'd be good, ladies, right? You'd say, that's wrong. Some of you right now are going, oh, that's wrong. <laughs> You know, I may have to take this off before people start lusting. Oh. <laughs> you, hey, wait, 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 wait. you get, you get, you get, you get, you get, you get when somebody who's full grown or should be, should be full grown is still acting like a baby. That's embarrassing. 
And you get what the author of Hebrews is saying in this moment to you and me. He's saying, by now, by now, please tell me, please tell me, please tell me, you're still not doing the diaper thing. Tell me that this, this, this faith in Jesus, this walk with God, tell me that, tell me that you've studied enough scripture and not only, st- tell me you've applied it changed your life according to it, that, that you're not still doing diaper Christianity. By now. Which then brings you and me to a, a question that begs to be answered in the room and just says, look, look, if, 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 this, is, if this is infant Christianity, I mean, if this is baby Christianity, and you, you need to hear me say this, babies are going to act like babies. And, and matter of fact, one of the things I think we do really, really well as a church is we go, hey, we get it. We get the baby Christians act like baby Christians. But the question of the passage is, by now, where should you be? And if this end of the spectrum, if all the way, if all the way over here, this is fully mature. In other words, you say, man, this is, this is a believer who not only knows remarkable amounts of Scripture, but you ready? Has lived it out because you get that maturity has nothing to do with how much bible you know you and i have all met that christian who can quote a hundred verses and can't live two of them but maturity is when i know the scriptures and then i live them out in my life and if that's maturity now let me ask you a question where are you And based on how long you've known Christ and how long this journey has been and how many years it's been since you first made that commitment, where should you be by now? And what if? What if far too many of us sitting in this room are still in diapers? And here's what you need to know. Christians in diapers... Stink. They do. That's, that's how you know it's time to change a diaper, right? They stink. And Christians walking around in diapers live stinky lives. Immature Christians, Christians who never, never really fully get embracing in the Word of God, who look at the issues that, guys, I get it. Scripture comes up with all sorts of stuff, and you and I go, man, I don't like that. I hate that. I don't want to do that. But as long as you and I have that response to Scripture, then you and I are doomed to always be in diapers. Because maturity is how much Bible do I know, but how much Bible I live. And you get that immature Christians, Christians who have not let the Word of God change, have not embraced and haven't paid the cost to follow, immature Christians get blown up over stuff that mature Christians navigate with their eyes closed. Sitting in a room years ago and a bunch of friends hanging out and there, there was a young lady in the room. Actually, the answer isn't she wasn't that young anymore. Uh, just to say it politely, she'd, she'd kind of gotten to that age where you started saying, is she ever going to find a guy? I mean, is she, you know, it's getting a little uncomfortable here and for some reason, it just seemed like every one of her relationships blew up. I mean, it wasn't that she didn't have guys date her. She could never sustain a relationship. 
So we're sitting in the room, and just a bunch, and one of the people in the room says, you know what, what happened to the last guy, Fred, you know, what, what happened to him? And she began to tell the story. And she talked about this moment that they got together, and there was an issue, and they started to talk about it, and she finally just said, look, okay, if that's your opinion, then and done. And every one of us in the room who had actually navigated a relationship said, are you kidding? What? That blew you up? I mean, are you kidding? I deal with more than that every day with my wife. Oh, I'm sorry, but, uh, you know. <laughs> really, that blew you up? And so we began to say, look, 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 this is repairable. I mean, you, you could fix this. All you've got to do is go back and say, hey, look, I'm sorry, and can we talk about it, and could we work on it? I mean, this is fixable. Guess what her reaction was? She got angry at us for trying to help. She's like, what? Are you kidding? You're taking his side. That's not fair. The next thing you know, she's stomping, okay? This is stomping out of the room and slams the door behind her. To which moment, one of the people sitting on the couch goes, she was acting like a 10-year-old. And I turned and said, no, I've got an 8-year-old son, and he wouldn't act that way. You get that you get that you get. That this thing of following Christ is about life. And when you don't have Christ figured out, and when you're not growing in maturity, and when you're not adding to your knowledge, and when you're not growing up in Him, when you're still walking around in diapers, your life's going to stink because you're going to get blown up over the very stuff that mature people walk through just like that. You know what the number one reason why people don't become a Christian? Do you know? Number one reason people say, no, 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 I don't need Jesus. Anybody know the answer? They've met a Christian. Here's what I can tell you. They didn't meet a mature one. See what happened in that moment? They met a baby Christian. They met a Christian who's still in diapers, still fumbling around in their faith, who even a non-believer knows, even a person who's pre-Jesus knows that if you just became a Christian a week ago, you don't have it figured out. But here's what that non-believer, that pre-Jesus person was saying to the Christian they met. You've been a Christian a while. You, you've been, quote-unquote, a follower for years. And are you ready? And by now... If this Jesus was real, if this faith could actually change your life, you ought to be so much further than this. And if that's all the more effect, and if that's all the better it does for you, and if you're still struggling with the things I'm struggling with, and if you're still greedy in the same way that I'm greedy, and if your marriage doesn't look any better than my marriage, and if when trouble times come you're just as panicked as I am, then no thanks. No thanks for your Jesus. And the bottom line answer is simply this, guys. Christians in diapers are smelly. So what do you do? I mean, what, what does it take to grow up? And guys, the, the, the bottom line answer is it's not real easy. It, it takes some effort. There's some cost into growing up. If there weren't, you and I would do it. But the answer is diapers seem easier. 
Yesterday I was sitting at a funeral home. Someone we uh, loved and cared about had passed away, and I'm uh, sitting there with uh, some of my family, and my nephew's there, and my nephew comes walking over to me, and he says, uh, I'm almost 10. I said, well, that's, that's great. That's, that's great, Grayson. He goes, you know what that means? That means I get an airsoft gun. I said, that's cool, great. That's what 10-year-olds ought to do. And I love the next moment. His dad leaned over and it said, and it means he gets a bunch of chores too. <laughs> and then Grayson turned. Here's what you ready? It'll be worth it. And what you need to know, guys, 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 for every one of us in this room who's ever paused over paying the price to truly be a committed follower of Christ, for every, for, every, for every one of us who's looked at the chores and then sat down. It'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. It'll be worth it to get the diapers off. So how do you do it? What does that look like? What? Grab your Bibles. Go with me to the book of Ephesians. It's going to be a little bit to the left. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4. And bottom line is simply this. If you and I are going to be the people that God was always hoping that you and I would be, we're going to need to do some growing up. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 13. Here's what it says. Until, until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then, okay, this is almost contrast to what we've just been saying. We've been saying all along, hey, by now, by now you should be further than this. Now the author is saying, then, when you pay the price, when you step up to the, when you, when you, when you do what it requires to become a grown-up in Jesus, then things are going to be way, way, way different. <clears throat> then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and the craftiness of men in their deceitful schemings. Instead... Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. And the image right there that he gives you, he says, look, when you're a baby Christian, when, when you're in diapers spiritually, you're like a boat in the middle of a storm. Life is coming at you from every direction. Waves are on the verge of capsizing the place. And if you try to navigate the storms of life as a baby, you're going to end up in trouble. You'll get, Scripture says, tossed about in life. It's why no one's going to applaud. It's why nobody's going to look at you and say, wow. Because the truth is you're just getting flailed. The picture is a picture of being on a sea in the midst of a storm. 
And you get that there's, there's moments to react in, in that time that are absolutely devastating. I mean, you'll ruin it. You'll lose the ship. See, there's always the temptation when you get in the midst of the storm, let's just throw down an acre and, and, and see if we can ride it out. You realize the moment you do that, many a captain has capsized his boat. Because once you drop that anchor, you can't control which direction the waves come at you from. One impulse is to say, Let, let's run from the waves. Let's, let's try to outrace the waves. And so many have turned and said, our boat is probably faster than... And you know, what they don't realize is since you're on the wave, the wave always catches. And, and as you're moving with the wave, the, when it finally crests over, the full weight of the wave comes on top of the deck and it literally just crushes the boat. And although it's absolutely non-intuitive and, and it just seems absolutely wrong, you know what the way you navigate huge waves in a violent ocean you turn into the waves. You, you begin to pilot through the waves so that as the wave comes to come over the top, you slice through and to the other side. See, it's not easy, but you survive. Some of you guys know this story. We've got a family here on staff. Matter of fact, Ryan Axtell is the guy who led worship today and did announcements for us today. And his wife, Danielle, and they, I think they've been married for about three years, and they came to staff meeting and said, hey, guys, uh, Danielle's pregnant. We're going to have our first kid. And I, you've never seen two people beam more than they beamed over the idea of having a baby. They were a little ways into the pregnancy, and they, they were doing the thing, you know, over the ultrasound and checking things out, and they knew as soon as they saw the eyes of the nurse, something was wrong. Finally, the doctor came back in and said, uh, there seems to be some swelling. Uh, it's back in here, kind of along the spinal cord and the backside of the brain. And uh, We're hoping that the child will outgrow that, that it will just kind of recede and go away. But we're, we're worried, and we're going to have to watch. They went in a little bit later, and it wasn't getting smaller. It was actually getting bigger. And by now, the doctor's report was uh, your child uh, is going to, in all, well, your child is, is going to be born with just severe both mental and physical handicap. And you just need to brace yourselves for that. Got closer to time, and the doctors came back as if it couldn't be bad enough already to say, we believe your child's going to die in your utero. We believe, Danielle, you'll end up delivering a, a baby that's already expired. I've got to be honest with you and tell you, as our, sta as our staff sat and watched 20-year-olds navigate that moment, and I'm, I'm just, I mean, think, you're talking about a moment that would destroy a lot of couples. You're talking about an answer that many Christians would shake their fist and say, God, if that's what your faithfulness looks like, if that's what it means, no thanks. Count me out. I mean, I'm in ministry after all. Because, guys, I don't know about you, but I, I go, okay, if, if you're 20, then, then by now you should be here. And, and I don't know many 20-year-olds who are mature enough and far enough along in their faith to handle that. You want to hear the remarkable thing? 
Every time we went to minister and help Ryan and Danielle, they ended up ministering to us. Every time we walked in the room and said, how are you doing? They would speak of God's goodness and his faithfulness and how they knew, even though they didn't understand the answer, they knew that their God was still in control. And I'm going to tell you, we walked out of the room going, how in the world does a 20-year-old know that? Because, because, because. The answer is, those who are mature navigate life differently than baby Christians. So what does it mean? What does it mean to get out of the diapers? What, what would it take for you and me as a church? Just look, 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 look. We just get it. By now, we ought to be further than this. We began to look. Your staff began to look and said, right, what, are, what are the common characteristics? What are the things that all mature believers have figured out, have part of their lives, have done consistently. I mean, I don't care if you're in Africa. I don't care if you're in Germany. I don't care if you're in Mexico. I don't care if you're in Charlotte, North Carolina. What is it that mature believers all have going on in their lives? And we, brought, we got down to three things, three to be. And here were the three qualities that we found were across the board consistently in the life of every mature believer. You ready? Number one. Mature believers have figured out worship. Mature believers have figured out worship. and Not singing. Okay, some of the men are going, thank you. Thank you. Worship. Worship is when I put God in his rightful place. It's why Exodus chapter 20, when the Ten Commandments are given, what's the first commandment? Thou shalt have no gods before me. Because, because, you ready? It's possible to worship my job. It's possible to worship my friends. It's possible to worship my income bracket. And worship is when I say, no, 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 there is nothing in this world that I will put in the place that only God deserves. I will not worship anything except God. So worship is always when I give God his rightful place in my life, which is why coming in that door and being in here on Sundays is worship. Because here's, here's the deal. What you and I have said in that moment is this, simply this. Look, there's a hundred other places I could be right now. There's a hundred things on TV that I could be watching. There, there's a hundred campsites or going to the lake and using my... There's a hundred other options. But I have chosen on the first day of the week to say there is nothing more important for me to do with my time than to come in and give God his rightful place in my life. Because, because, because there is nothing more important to me than connecting with my God. That's why walking through those doors is an act of worship. It's giving God his right place. And mature Christians have figured out that God is Lord of everything in their lives. He has the right place on every issue, be it their home, be it their 
workplace, be it their recreation, first place. So mature Christians have figured out worship. Number two, mature Christians have figured out growing, which simply means this. You cannot possibly grow enough coming in this room and sitting in the purple chairs. You can't, you can't. You will never be more than a consumer if that's all you get. And as much as I love teaching you and as much as I hope you love coming into this room and being part of this room, there's not enough for you to be fully mature. And you will find that in the lives of mature Christians that they have always taken within their grasp to say, I will go after growing. I will go after getting more than just what I simply get on a Sunday, which is why we give you so many venues to do something else. And you get, guys, you get that it's not just knowing the Bible, it's living the Bible. It's how much you and I have put into practice that really is the measurement of growth. And then third thing, final thing. Every mature Christian serves. And I know some of us don't like that. And some of us are going, oh, you know, I was okay with you on the first two. But serving? Here's what Scripture says. Even Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. You never look more like your Savior than when you don the servant's apron. And you cannot be a fully devoted, mature follower of Jesus Christ if you don't serve. You can't. We've got this epidemic going on right now in America of obese babies because somebody serves them all the time. And now we've got these little four-year-olds that are like 150 pounds and can't even stand up and... It's nothing new. The church has been struggling with that for years. You cannot be a mature follower of Christ unless you serve. So here's, here's what we said. We said, all right, so what if, what if, what if we as a whole, what if a church simply said, look, we're not going to be content to be a place where people find Christ. But instead, we are going to become a place where people follow Christ. What would we do? And we said, well, the starting point, the minimum threshold would be those three things. That, that every single person who calls Cornerstone home, every single person who was here and said, I'm in, would simply worship an hour, grow an extra hour, and serve an hour. If, everyone, if every one of us did that, we'd be... We'd be Slipping the diapers off. Now, I know some of us in the room are going, well, then I already do that. I, I already come faithfully on Sunday morning. I already serve. I, I already uh, go to a Bible study. Good. So I'm going to ask you to do more. Because here's, here's the answer. Some of us have been serving at entry-level positions. We've been serving in baby Christian positions. And I need you to get out of there so that you can move over one and I can put some more baby Christians in there who don't have the opportunity to serve because you're hogging up. <laughs> and so what I'm going to ask to every one of us in the room that says, no, Lynn, I've already engaged at that level. I'm already doing That's okay. Because here's the answer. By this time, 
Where should you be? And there are some of us in here who have been in small group Bible studies for six, seven, eight years. And by this time, maybe you should be teaching. There are some of us in here that have been serving as a classroom helper for years. And maybe by this time, you should be giving the lesson to those kids. Or maybe you should be supervising the ushers. So what I'm just at, three to be. That, that everyone else would say, I'm going to worship an hour, I'm going to grow an hour, I'm going to serve an hour. And that in the next few weeks, everyone else would take stock and say, based on how long I've known Jesus, based on how long, where should I be? How, where should my maturity be at this point? And then what if 6,000 people said, and I'm going to take another step. I'm going to move. I'm going to challenge my walk with Christ. And I'm going to move one more over. We'd be on our way. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we simply come before you this morning. And God, we're asking the question, by now, by the time I've been a Christian for five years, but by the time, by the time I've been around here this long, where should I be? And for those of us in the room that when that answer comes back, realize we're, we're lagging behind. And then God, just hear our hearts. We, we're, we're done with the diapers. We, we are going to move. We promise, in Jesus' precious name.